Jams, Creeps and Coffee podcast. Playback begins in three, two, one. Uh, uh, there's really no way I can prove it without revealing my identity and getting myself into more trouble than I have already. Exactly what's going on up there? Well, there's several, uh, actually nine, uh, flying saucers, flying discs, uh, that are out there of extraterrestrial origin, and, uh, they're basically being dismantled, uh, some are, well, in various stages of, of completion built from other parts, and they're being test flown, and, uh, uh, basically just analyzed. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Welcome to Crimes, Creeps and Coffee podcast. As always, I am Nick and we have Owen, who's going to remain completely silent today. Owen? We've put duct tape over his mouth. Good Owen. Good Owen. Owen. God star. God star. Right. Steph? Hello? Hello! You're looking lovely and pink today. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm living the fantasy. Have you got the power floral. suit on? I yeah, do. I do have suit. a power suit. What's yeah. that from on your t-shirt? Well, um, it's Marie from the Aristocrats. Oh, is that a Disney? Yeah, oh, yeah. You like it because it's got cats in it. I do enjoy cats. Thank you. And Charlotte, how are you doing today? I'm good. I was up early. Feel like I've not had enough coffee to function. Yes. So in the intro, there we were watching. Uh, Bob Lazar. Have either of you? I know Charlotte has because we've watched many documentaries. I've forced Charlotte to watch many documentaries <laughs> on Robert Lazar. Have you heard of Bob Lazar or Robert oh, really? Lazar? Before? I've heard his name, but like, isn't he the uh, the host? Is he the host, or was that the chap that was? No, that was George Knapp. Uh, okay, so yeah, he's a, a host, isn't he? Like a television host, maybe. George, George Knapp is the the guy who interviewed him first he, off. So Robert, he's an investigative journalist. He was ah. for a Nevada uh, Las Vegas yeah. TV news station. Has he done more before? He's 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 done a lot of things, hasn't he? George Knapp. I'm not really sure what no, he's done. No, he was done a couple of, of paranormal ones that you may have watched. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, fair okay, enough. There we go. Yeah, he's he's got a foot in the paranormal world. That yeah. kind of jobby. I think he might have spoken to the Warrens. I think I'm not 100. Uh, percent I think he's done an interview with them and listened okay. to their lies. Shush. <laughs> So he was into uh, Robert Lovestar claims that in that in that video though he was silhouetted as a man called he called himself Dennis. Yeah. Which is a brilliant. I don't know, Dennis. Just you so don't get many Dennises now these days, do you? But he w- said he worked at an area of Area 51 called S4 and this was the first time really that Area 51 was connected to aliens and whatnot. Oh really? Yeah, it's coming from his 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 story. He said he worked there for a few months uh and worked on alien craft, trying to back-engineer them and figure out how they worked. Uh, is this why he was getting into trouble, as he said? Yes, he was. He uh. took it. He got into trouble because he was working there, and he took his... I'm going to I'm going to do a whole episode on Bob Lazar, because I of fucking love Bob Lazar. He's <laughs> one of my heroes. But he, he got in trouble because he knew when the test flights would be for these flying saucers. So he, okay. he took his friends out a couple of nights and on to, to view the, the um, outside of Area 51, where yeah. they could see the, the spaceships being flown. And they got caught one night. Ooh. And he got in a bit of bother for it. So he, he thought, I'm going to come out with a story, otherwise they'll just kill me and I'll, I'll never be known anywhere. So it was sort of an insurance policy to come out okay. and go public with it. But he's really credible. And um, he's, he was on Joe Rogan a couple of months ago. He's been quiet for years actually there's no real um evidence that he's made large amounts of money off this or anything he's never written a book that kind of thing he's been in a um what's his name the the documentary filmmaker recently oh i can't remember uh, king hipster he's yeah. the most hipster man you'll ever see in your life Marbay. jeremy Cor- uh, corbell Cor- corbell yeah not okay. jeremy corbin yeah <laughs> 
Um, yeah, there's a, a good documentary about uh, that he made about him, and he's been on Joe Rogan recently. And he's just really credible. It's, it's a really credible story, and I've watched analysis of his uh, body language and speech yeah. patterns, and people say he's not lying. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. He doesn't show the um, points of a liar in his body yeah, language. Yeah, he doesn't show any of the markers. Interesting. You watch it, and you're like, you're telling the truth okay. you're not bullshitting because when we first started like what the first documentary watch i had no idea who he was yeah and i was kind of like bullshit mm. bullshit but then you watch him and you're like either mm. you've become to believe your lies yeah which is the possible, modern ones yeah. yeah but then it showed a clip of him like giving his interview back in the 80s mm-hmm. and it was like well 90s early 90s it was and it was like you are not showing any points at all and this is one of your second, third TV interviews mm. and you would show those points. Yeah, and he hasn't changed his story in, in 30 yeah, and years. And it was the same. Interesting. And he's he's talked about things that have, have come out into the public now and things like that. So it's yeah. it's very interesting. But Jeremy Corbell is quite interesting. He does some interesting topics. He does yeah. a one on Skinwalker Ranch. Have you ever heard of Skinwalker Ranch? No, I can't say I have, oh, you know. That's, that's another one Nick's going to cover. Yeah. I'm Although that that's the excitement in your face. Skinwalker Ranch is going to be an initiative thing I want it to be. Because it's, yeah. it's a big meaty thing. It's got everything in there. Ghosts, cryptids, aliens. Ooh. Yeah, it's a whole shebang of... A little bit of witchcraft. Weird a little crap. bit of native yeah and he, did, a bit of that. and he did also a documentary on a, a doctor who's just died a couple of years ago actually i think i can't remember his name he was he specialized in taking alien implants out of people oh wow okay so they they were actually finding people who, who have abduction stories they yeah. would find and he would remove these very strange metallic objects from people like physically had mm. proof of yeah. these things were real. yeah, yeah. Wow. and then sent them off for analysis and things a, oh, yeah. it's, that documentary is on netflix it's called oh. uh patient zero i want to say i think yeah. i feel that i don't think it's on netflix i think it might be on amazon no patient it's definitely zero. on netflix definitely on i know netflix. the bob lazar one's on netflix okay yeah the skinwalker ranch we had to rent off yeah, amazon we did, we did. So. but that's worth a watch definitely yeah yeah sounds good but yeah, if you are a believer in aliens, mm. then definitely. Sounds like a good listen yeah. and watch anyway. But yeah. if, you, if you want to listen to anything about Bob Lazar in particular, I'd recommend the, the Joe Rogan Yeah, Pope Joe Rogan talks to him brutally, honestly, but respectfully. Yeah, with Jeremy so. Corbell, actually. Um, yeah. They both, and they, they talk for about two and a half hours, and it's really good. Yeah. Hmm. Right, so today, Steph, yes. what are you going to be? Oh, it's Halloween. We recorded it is Halloween. Halloween. It's spooky time. Oh, yeah. Last night we went in a, you'll hear it in an upcoming episode. Yeah. We yes. went out into the woods with a Ouija board. Yep. Made a ring of salt, threw yes. some sage around, contacted some spirits, talked to them. I made yeah. sure no demons followed us home. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We saw some doggers. We did. Yeah. That that was like, fun. We, as we were leaving, turning our flashlights off because it's dark, it's the middle of a wood. These two men were just walking mm, into the woods with yep. no lights. It's like either with you're going to exci- commit a murder or you're going dogging. Well, they had an excited little look on their faces. It was dark. You couldn't see. <laughs> I could see them. Yeah, <laughs> see. My dark and beady eyes. Of- yeah. So, Steph, what are you talking about today? So, today I am going through the actual true story of the origin from the film The Exorcist. The, like, the most biggest Halloween film, I've never seen it, actually. No, I can't say you haven't watched it. I have watched it. I am watching it again. Oh. oh, really? That's the one with the girl. She's like, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then puke. to your mother. Yeah. She says hello from hell. Doesn't mm. she sort of pleasure herself with a cross? No. 
That's she like stabs herself in it. That, doesn't she? that is and from then, scary movie. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that was it. The rip off. But yeah. she does go like fuck me to the yeah. vicar and stuff. She right. wasn't actually allowed to say that. Was she not? No, because she was only twelve when yeah, she made she that film. <laughs> she wasn't allowed to say that. Yeah. They did have a lot of like body doubles and animatronics in that. Actually, that's she one thing was... I do know. That scene where she says "fuck you" or yeah. "fuck me" yeah, was yeah. played by a forty-nine-year-old man in wow. prosthetics. Wow. <laughs> talking about little girls, I, I I think you two mentioned it before, but the um I came across the story from about a month ago of that that little girl who turned out somebody adopted her thinking she was an eleven-year-old girl. She turned out to be like a twenty-two-year-old Eastern yeah. European, yeah. and the like dwarfism. was a psychopath. Yes. Like and her adopted mother is terrified of it. I forgot yeah, to. Yeah, but her adopted mother is being sued by the county where they are in for negligence. Yeah, but she's, but she's not she, a child. <laughs> but according to yeah, the doctors United have had a look at her and they reckon she's a child. But, but nobody's really sure where she yeah. came from or what. what? She, There's if no she's a records child or, or anything. And according to the county's a, a, adoption papers, which are legal, yeah, she's a child, and her mother is terrified of her. But so they're ch- suing her with ne- negligence. What on earth is? I haven't seen that story yet, and I just came across it last week. Yeah, it's like strange. Story. It's very strange. It's like literally the 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 story of um, the orphan, the film, yeah. isn't it? What came yeah. out first? The, the orphan. orphan. Hmm. The orphan was released in two thousand and nine. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So today I'm talking about snuff films. I think we'll dive right in, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued already. There isn't anywhere that we can. Tangent that, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Steph, do you know about snuff films? Have you heard the term before? I'm sure you must have. Yeah, yes. I've definitely heard the term of snuff films. It's basically where it's um, it's like a sexual film where people die in the end, mm. isn't it? Um, it, yeah, I, I guess it it doesn't necessarily have to have a sexual edge. It's more oh, okay. the more the concept of it's a video of somebody being murdered purposely for the sake of that video. Right. So the 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 film I um because we're linking things to films I guess this month and this is the last week, but eight millimeter starring actor and philanthropist Nicolas Cage. Now it makes sense go. why you posted that up on Instagram. Ah, yes. there we so go. So have you seen eight millimeter? It's one of my. I'd really like that film. It's I really can't say I have. Film. You know, because Nicolas Cage does like one good film, one awful film, one good film, one awful film, and this is one of the best ones. Oh, okay. So he probably did some utter shit after this. <laughs> but so it's about a detective who gets a. Um, uh, a private detective, sorry, who gets uh, a, a summons to go to a rich family's estate where the husband, elderly husband, has recently died, and the the wife finds in his safe a video of a young girl on eight millimeter film being murdered. Wow! So he she asks him to track down: Is this real? Is the the girl been murdered? Yeah. He goes through the murky world of sort of the darker sides of the pornographic industry to. Uh, to track down uh, Jacqueline Phoenix, isn't it? Mm, Joker. Joker. Ah, okay. Yeah. And uh, the main guy from The Sopranos, Tony Soprano, I don't know his name. I don't know his real name. No. And a few other people. It's a really good film. Really, yeah. A really sort of dark and dirgy film. And he finds out in the end that this, this girl was murdered by people. Um, oh, wow. By this, this well, well, oh no, I won't ruin it. I just have ruined it. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Shit. Spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah. It's it's great. Even though I just spoiled it, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. But it's a trip. It's not just that. Oh yeah, they murdered and blah blah blah. But there's the trip in between. Yeah. yeah. Why why they why they killed her is it's just yeah good recommended. Yeah. So today before we start, I've asked Charlotte. I've got I've got a story in particular, and I got in 
I, I chose this subject because there's been a thing recently about a girl called Cece in America. I can't remember her second name. Anderson. Is it Anderson? I think it was Anderson, yeah. It's Cece something. But basically, a, a millionaire offered uh, a group of teenagers... Um, one girl. They offered the group of... Well, she, he offered this one girl. He met her online in a chat mm-hmm. room. Offered this one girl um, for her and her group of friends to kill another one of her friends who had oh. learning difficulties. Her best friend. Wait, yes. what? And they did. And uh, she after this... It, it, she um, also was being blackmailed by this millionaire, and he says, "I want videos." He was just you sexually abusing children, so she she did that for Christ. him as well. But the twist in it was, he wasn't a millionaire. He was um, sort of a sub IQ, twenty one year old, just normal guy who had convinced her that. Wow. But it's still going on at the minute, so it's something to cover in a later case. But there's not. Yeah. What? So it's so an much. ongoing case at the moment. Well, yeah. it's, it's they've all been arrested and charged, but the, right. the court case hasn't been through yet and i no kind of way. want to see what those chat logs are because i think yeah. that's the most interesting part about how yeah, this this guy had sub level he did IQ, have that very 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 low iq which okay. is odd because you'd expect somebody of that kind of manipulation to yeah. be quite high iq'd and manipulative that's what my thought was but mm. that's really interesting but it makes me wonder what kind of pervasions he was introduced to at a young age that mm. would deem that for his low iq brain to be acceptable that makes that's why I want to read these chat logs and yeah. I want to find out about his history because they've not released anything. Do you think they will publish it? They usually do. America yeah, are, quite, are quite good of their Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. They've released their overall theory of what happened and what the prosecution's right. case will be in general, but the, the details and the, yeah. the more interesting bits haven't been released yet and they won't be until, obviously, the trial because yeah. it would yeah. compromise the jury's um, yeah, totally. ability to... I mean, they're, they're still alleged that they haven't been convicted. Yeah, it's alleged until from proven mm. without a reasonable doubt. Yes. Well. So today I've asked Charlotte to look into me for... Look into me for... <laughs> that was good English. Pardon? Yeah. I asked Charlotte to look into for me why people... Um, either watch snuff films, what the the thrill they get from it, or why people commission these films to be made. What is it that compels somebody to pay money to another person to have them murder a person without not getting directly involved in the violence themselves, yeah. but just taking pleasure from the visual? Well, not yeah. just the visual, but the the act of paying for somebody to be murdered and then for them to enjoy it. With that in mind, though, I will need you to think that a lot of this also comes from the act of hiring a hitman. Okay, yeah. In essence, as well, because these people, like, they're in essence hiring a hitman. Yeah, totally. So keep that in mind when I explain things, okay? okay? Sorry, just to, to go out, snuff films... There's a lot of a lot of fake ones, but there are some genuine yes. ones. I'm going to talk about a genuine one in okay. a minute. But they're, they're a lot are faked and things, but there are, there, there definitely are some yeah. real ones hanging around there. Yeah, yeah totally. I definitely, yeah. I've, I've definitely heard of the fake ones, like because obviously yeah. you especially because yeah. it sounds um, not you especially. I don't know how that sounded. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean that you're into your special effects. Yes. So the fact that these people who are making the fake snuff films can make look something look so realistic. Oh yeah, totally. You as an artist, especially a special effects makeup artist, want to know, well how can I create that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Can you all strive for realism. I've I've now watched it and it's slightly off topic, but it is sort of a grotesque video. You know, do you remember the two girls one cup thing? Yes, I do. Yeah, everybody remembers I, that. I, I said that way too enthusiastically I then. <laughs> I never really actually watched it. Was that real? Yes. Or was that a fake thing? I, I would like to say it was real. They did like a whole series of like yeah. crazy shit ones, didn't oh, they? 
was it? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, because you've got like one guy, one jar, and yeah. craziness. Wait, what one, was in the jar? Nothing. nothing. He just shoved it up his ass and it, it broke. It was oh. a kilner jar. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> one know. guy, one hammer. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, re- these titles are actually relevant to the story I'm talking about in yes. the, oh, okay. the naming format. But anyway, sorry. Okay, I just yeah. wanted but, to yeah. know. I just didn't know if that was a real thing. No, or not. no, it was real, yeah. But let's be honest. The world as a whole is morbidly curious. Yeah. Yes. For it wouldn't exam- be a saying for a reason. Yeah. It, we, for example, have a podcast that speaks about the most despicable humans in the world. Indeed you do. Whilst others, they slow down in traffic when they see a bad accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think everybody does that. We did yeah. that yesterday. I we, mean, we did. Yeah. And the thing is, though, it's our morbid curiosity, our thankfulness of, thank God that didn't happen to me. Yeah. And maybe the preparation of, okay, well, this is how it may have happened. Can I not ha- do that? Can I stop myself from doing that? Yeah. We live in a world where violence meets us head on. Oh, yeah, totally. It's in films, TV, video games, and on the ne- news. Yep. But with that, people become desensitised. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So violence that we see on TV is fake. Yep. It's not real violence. I actually heard something the other day. It's probably a little bit too grotesque, but people get more grossed out by period blood than they do with actual violence of people dying. Yeah, I can attest to that. I'd say so. Yeah. I think yeah. especially men. Yeah, absolutely. And, so, and, and yeah, I'm going to speak for myself yeah me too exactly and like how crazy is that and i'm a female <laughs> yeah it's like natural to us yeah. but we get more grossed out by that than Even actual people dying less blood is lost via periods yeah. than actually cutting yeah. yourself on the arm yeah, yeah. but it's completely natural but yeah. like violence people don't look two two seconds at it. it's, it's a blink and mm. it's done yeah but period it's like oh no don't talk yeah. about that too good it's too gross man so when it's really hard to explain because the fact is, violence and the people that create it on TV, in video games and whatever, Hey-o. I'm not including <laughs> the, the news because yeah. that's real life violence, hmm. but the ones on that are fake. They are creating an imaginary fantasy realm yeah. where you can have a hand chopped off and you're not going to bleed out, Yeah. even though logistically, your hand's going to get chopped off, there is a high percentage you're going to die if you don't go to the hospital quickly. Yeah, I'd say so. So, the thing is about snuff, though, is that there are more of that fakistness of it. Fakistness. Yeah, I know that's not a word. I'm, I mean, I'm winging I'll, it. We can roll with that. <laughs> so, people who watch snuff think, it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. It's not real. But there is a chance yeah, absolutely that could be. Nick's case and a couple of other cases that are out there, that they are. Yeah. And people don't compute either that like that it could be fake, and people automatically assume sometimes that it is real. So therefore, mm. they go out and recreate it as if it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. and well, well a, a website I'm going to reference in my story that I've I know existed, but I don't think I've ever been on. But I, I had to go on for the, the purpose of this is Best Score, mm. BestScore dot com, and there's definitely real videos on there, not not snuff films necessarily, but film uh, footage from uh, beheadings from ISIS yeah. to ISIS. And that that's kind of another thing. thing with the age of the internet internet yeah we have so much access yeah. so much to gore yeah mm. absolutely to blood to decapitations via facebook that are coming up to mass shootings on facebook over yeah. in america that the the shooter is filming yep absolutely. and because some of these videos are on autoplay especially on facebook mm-hmm. you, you don't realize you're watching it until it's too late yeah mm. and you can actually get ptsd from it 
Yeah, no, totally. It's a very traumatizing thing. Yeah, if if your mindset is not in the right place yourself, you suffer from depression, yeah. from anxiety, or anything. It can escalate that till yeah. you suffer with PTSD. Or I know, I know people who suffer with PTSD from from war, and it could set theirs off. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. So I think there is a lot of law students over in America that are working towards a new legislation regarding that. Yeah. Especially with the types of beheadings and stuff yeah, no, films absolutely. out there. But then it becomes a freedom of speech issue, doesn't it? But it does. But it's then protecting ourselves. Yeah. Well, Because if there is constants and cause, if you can see that this is physically doing damage by causing an individual to have PTSD, yeah. do you not think that there would be because let's say there is you get alcohol you, you become addicted to alcohol mm. you become an alcoholic yeah mm. there is constants and causes and do the doctors not go don't don't yeah but don't. they don't they don't ban it they don't ban it there i'm not saying that they're going to ban it oh i thought you were going no down that no path. legislation as in to make it safer yeah for well, individuals not banning it okay but having it locked away well, i think i think uh page uh pages websites like facebook and youtube have pretty strict um but they, terms I, and regulations in the last there is week, some that comes like yeah, some, yeah. Get, some things will all get always get through yeah. but you can't really stop things from getting through it's just important that it, if it's not appropriate for their platform yeah. they feel Which, but they like when you're down. scrolling through like say when you first wake up in the morning you really don't want to see like a pig being decapitated what yeah it's on your facebook yeah we got so weird yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really use facebook that much anymore <laughs> so with that in mind what type of people do you fi- think, I was going to say think then, think, watch, specifically go out their way to watch these types of films? I'd, I'd say it's probably mostly men. I, see, I would really disagree. One thing that I've really learned really? in life is you really can't predict who yeah. does what. <laughs> so I, I'd, I'd probably say it was young men who are the biggest consumer of that kind of material. I'd say young, yeah, definitely, because yeah. I feel like the younger generation have become more desensitised yeah, to definitely. violence. And people who... I think there is definitely a sexual link from uh, sort of more hard hard pornography. So there's yeah. a, an overlap there. So maybe people who are more inclined to that kind there of, kind of mm. pornography. Like extreme kink, maybe. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You'd be surprised. Okay. Everybody, yeah, everybody. This is it. Yeah, it's hard to. It's hard to. There is pinpoint. no yeah. subcategory for people who watch snuff films because yeah. snuff films is one one take of that genre of taboo. Yeah, death as it, and death itself is the taboo. Mm-hmm. Snuff is just a subcategory of it. Yeah, I'm just imagining a little old lady now. <laughs> there are people out there who like. I bet there is. Who watch? Yeah. I bet there is. Like, old Doris from down the road. Yep. Because the thing is, though... She's watching these, people's head being cut off. These death <laughs> things, technically, a beheading is a snuff film. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Technically. It is. A mass shooting is technically a snuff film. I suppose it, it's the viewer, how they take it, I guess. It's yeah. how that makes it... But if the viewer is not having any empathy yeah. towards this, because in their brain it's going, oh, it's fake, because they're desensitised... Yeah. What's that? Well, I think you can still have morbid curiosity and empathy. I think you two you do can. a good job of having. I'm not, I'm not excluding me in this, uh, including in this. <laughs> I don't really have much empathy towards other human beings, but you can still have both. I think you can. they're not mutually yeah. excused. But the higher percentage of sociopaths and psychopaths will go out their way specifically to watch these films. Okay. okay. Well, they're because almost like training manuals in a sense, aren't they? Not all psychopaths videos. and sociopaths are going to become murderers. No, I'm, but. 
they are so desensitized by the violence that they see on TV, the violence that they see in the newspapers, yeah. wherever. In games, especially, I in would like games, to say. Because they feel no empathy. They don't understand that this is wrong. Mm hmm. So the high percentage of them watching isn't allow, especially with the internet, allows them easier access. I'm not saying that they're all going to go out and kill or murder anybody or whatever or mm. harm animals, but because they have that inclination of no empathy, yeah. they feel it's fake. They feel it's not real. Mm. That okay. it's just another added. What about if it is? What if they think it is real, but they just don't have any empathy towards the situation, so therefore it's still as okay? There's, you just yeah. explained it. Oh, okay. That All right. It's okay. That it's it's just as okay. But going back a- to video games in particular, a lot of the studies show that violent video games actually reduce violence rather violent than oh, tendencies, do they yeah. yes, cause it. I don't know what the, the studies show about movies because I play a lot of video games. So I know in particular um, about video games that yeah, the studies seem to show point towards that it's um it's cathartic for people rather than i don't know what the opposite of cathartic is um stimulating yes Mm. yes it is true it numbs the brain um studies show that playing video games and doing monitor monotone keep going on i can't remember but what about manhunt and that little kid that went out well there's always going to be certain things that people are inspired by yeah Um, i'm sure you can call of duty is inspired by war doesn't mean people are going to stop going to war yeah but manhunt though literally got banned because a little kid went out and stabbed somebody (laughs) manhunt's not banned it was it was in australia oh did it happen in australia I can't no. remember where it was. Oh, no, it was such it a long time ago. But, but like, and it was inspired. the second one was refused classification. I think in this country until it took certain bits out. Of yeah. It. Uh, well, for example, uh, Batman was yep. shows. Um, I can't remember. I, I know it's one of the Christopher Nolan ones, but it showed a scene being sh- like having a shoot up. Mm-hmm. A guy in the theatre shot the theatre. Yeah, up. I remember that. Shot the what? Theatre up. What do you mean, like the cinema a, up? What just got a gun out and was yeah. like boom, but, boom, boom. Yeah, but even like um, really innocuous things can inspire people to to go on killing sprees. It doesn't necessarily have to be. It can be the change. If if you're inclined to be a psychopath, you're going to find something to inspire. Well, yeah. And so you've got to take those individual instances, yeah, as that individual, not as a collective. Because I mean, the son of Sam said his dog told him to do it. His name is Dog. (laughs) And then it turned out that was bullshit. Okay. So, Ed Kemper was just angry with his mum. Right. Ted Bundy, because his first girlfriend like told him to go away. Like the amount of people who have been inspired by song lyrics and stuff yeah. to commit. Yeah. Charles Manson, Helter Skelter. Mm. There you go. Helter Skelter. So it can be anything. These people are literally just using it as a reason. Yeah, As yeah. a defence. Yeah. Oh, Batman made me do it. Or in that piece <laughs> of media might talk to them specifically, they feel. Yeah. But doesn't have... The effect on a normal person in the same yeah, way. Yeah, on inspire. the collective. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But for the average Joe, everybody else in the world that aren't a psychopath, aren't a sociopath, it may be due to the fact that we fear our own death. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We mm. fear the unknowing of how, the when, and the why it's going to happen. It could be that we see someone's death that our brain goes oh so that's how it could happen and we become less afraid of it okay yeah yeah a lot of cultures are a lot more open with death than we are yeah, yeah. we yeah. are one of the most I think buttoned the me- up about the it. mexicans yeah. uh they have the day of the dead obviously but yeah they, tomorrow they have a tradition oh, yeah. of keeping their dead relatives in their house some do i'm not saying all but yeah most of them do over dia dos los motos but they don't actually because they're dead mexicans don't tend to bury their dead underground they have them in crypts don't they yeah yeah so they, they they roll them out yeah. and what stick was, them in the corner. 
What was that um that that culture on a dark tourist where they literally get them out every year and that was in Mexico. That was, was in that Mexico. Mexico? Oh, yeah, was that it? was in the uh, lower lower half of Mexico. Yeah. Right. But there's places there in China that worship that like the ancestors. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have ancestor days and stuff like that. We the British culture, I think, are the only culture that are so buttoned yeah. up. We've got. A I'd say Europe, I'd say European culture in in general. Has yeah. A, yeah. A but that's one. for Britain. It's only been since <laughs> King Edward. Because Victorian times, we ha- used to have death day parties where mm. we'd have photographs taken with our dearly oh, departed. Yeah. We had the little and we'd have, book, didn't we? What's um not morgue? The bit after the funeral, the party, the wake, bit, the wake. Yeah, we had wakes that would last for two to three days. Yeah, we did. In Victorian times and before that, it's yeah. only since King Edward that it's kind of declined. Mm. Like in Britain, we had funeral criers, yeah, people bell- that would wail at the funerals. I'd love that still. And bell ringers, people who would walk around. Yeah. yeah. And graveyards. the fancy hats. Oh. Yeah. And fancy people hats. who would check on the dead to make sure that they were okay. Like you just said, in, in the graveyard. You know about bell ringers, right? Do you know what bell ringers started as? The what? term bell ringer. That the bells were ringing. So they used the... to be, yeah. So in in I don't know if it was Victorian or earlier, but coffins used to have a system in them ah, where yes. they could, if the person was buried alive, they yes. could ring a bell because that happened a lot. Yeah, people f- slipped into comas, and yeah. back then they didn't realise they were comas. And yeah, they, I, I remember reading a story about there was a, a graveyard somewhere in England where they they had to dig it up, and they found a certain percentage had scratch marks on the inside of the coffin. That oh was gosh. down in that I think that was down in London. Mm. Oh wow, a reasonable per- percentage yeah, as well. Yeah, I think not it was like sixty-seven percent of the coffins had inside scratches. No way. Okay. I don't know if it was that high, but it was definitely high. We it need to be more thorough. Yeah. And that's why it was called a bell ringer, because yes. they would walk around to make sure they, they could hear no bells. Yeah, ringing. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, totally. So in 2004, psychologist Victor Florin and Mario Muglinci observed the paralyzing terror produced by the awareness of one's mortality leads to the denial of death awareness and the repression of death-related thoughts. Perhaps it's this that causes us to watch these types of videos. Okay. Do you want to put that in layman's terms? So the paralyzing fear of dying, yep. of being aware that I'm going to die one mm. day, I am going to die, I'm not going to be able to stop it, I'm not going to live forever, leads to us denying now, I'll be fine, okay. I'll be fine, I'm not going to die today, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But nobody knows when and how they're going to die. Absolutely. Okay. So we repress those emotions. They're not real. Then no, it's just me being paranoid. I'm yeah, going to yeah. die. I'm paranoid, paranoid, paranoid. Oh, look, shiny things. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, look, somebody's dead. Yeah. So it's the repression of it and then mm-hmm. it coming out in a certain way. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally. Does. What does that mean in general, though? Well, according to Dr. John Mayer, a clinical psychologist, he states, a disaster enters into our awareness. This can be from a live source, such as driving by a traffic accident or from watching a news report about a hurricane, a plane crash or a disaster or a horror film. This data from our perceptual system that stimulates amygdala, the part of the brain that's responsible for emotions, survival tactics and memory, the amygdala then sends signals to the regions of the frontal cortex that involved in analyzing and interpreting data. Next, the brain evaluates whether this data, the awareness of the disaster, is a threat to you. Thus, judgment gets involved. As a result, the fight or flight response is evoked. Mm. He then goes on to state, witnessing violence and destruction, whether it is in a novel, a movie, on TV, or in a real-life scenario, playing out in front of us in real time, gives us the feeling of some level of safety. This sensation is sometimes experienced when we stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon 
or look through the glasses at a ferocious lion at the zoo. We watch because we are allowed to, to ask ourselves ultimate questions with an intensity of emotion that is uncoupled from the true reality of disaster. Yeah, that's interesting. If I was in this situation, what would I do? How would I respond? Would I be the hero or would I be the villain? Could I endure the pain? Would I have the strength to recover? Okay. Those are subconscious thoughts that go through our brain that we don't even realise that we do. Interesting. Hmm. So we put ourselves in the situation then to kind of... And then it is is the curiosity at that point because you're literally being faced with the situation right in front of you. But you're being faced with your own mortality. Ooh, deep. Well, we we play out the different scenarios in our head because it helps us to reconcile that, that which is uncontrollable with our need to remain in control. So like I've said from the beginning, our death is uncontrollable. We don't know when it's happening. Yeah. But uh, us as humans watching these videos, understanding why we watch these videos for curiosity's sake, is us being able to control it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it all comes down to the control. Yeah. For the people that make these videos, again, it's another form of their narcissistic value of having the control. Yeah, I would like to say that's a little bit more than just morbid curiosity at that point. It may start off as morbid curiosity by them faking it. Yeah. Faking Mm. the snuff films or faking a beheading, faking a death. However, faking, as Dennis Nilsson did, faking the photographs of his friends laying in dead poses. Yeah. Yeah. But it escalates when that stops becoming enough. Yeah. And the narcissistic value is, I'm going to post this on the internet. I'm going to get 50,000 views and so on. So the narcissistic and the ego is boosting up, it's growing, it's getting bigger. Mm-hmm. So um, BTK, I know he used to dress up and look like he tied himself up in photos he took, right? Yeah, he... Is that true? He, he did those him... happen before he committed murders? Was he into that before? Yes, he, he yes. was into severe BDSM. Yeah. He and he practised on himself yeah. before he escaped. He liked to a fixie wank. A fixie wank. We haven't mentioned a fixie wanking in all. <laughs> no, I think that was <laughs> back in episode three. Or four three. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so he was into his BDSM since a young age. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you also then asked me, why would somebody hire somebody to kill? So this one is a little bit more analytical. Well, it was it was specifically to create a piece of media. I know there's a multitude of reasons why yeah. somebody would want somebody dead. Though this is a kind of condensed version okay. of that. I've literally done it to about paragraph and a half. So. Okay. So... Most people who hire someone to do their dirty work for them think it's an easy way out. Mm -hmm. They can pay someone, never have to meet them, and leave no trace of themselves on the victim. There's less responsibility as well at that point, I guess. There is. The thing is, though, in today's society, where pretty much at every move can be tracked, it's nigh on impossible to actually get away with this. Yeah, and conspiracy to these sorts of things is is highly regarded as not cool. Mm. Many who hire someone to do uh, so, to quote a few, it's cheaper than divorce, I don't want the judgment of my family. I can't stand the thought of her getting the kids. He had a hell of a life insurance policy. Yeah. As you can tell, many of these are spousal hires. The person who kills a killer, be it a random stranger or an actual hitman, may be desperate, greedy, psychopathic or drug or a drug addicted person, but they aren't insane. Okay. They understand that the idea behind their action is wrong and can lead them to go to, to prison, which is why they don't do it themselves. Well, yeah. Mm. They may not be seriously mentally ill, but it's highly unlikely you'll hear this person try to convince a jury that they were told to by the Lord Almighty to hire that specific person to kill that specific person for a divine mission. Right. You won't hear them use that. No. It's more likely that this person is angry, angry at the victim, the society that they live in, or themselves. They may be angry that they'll have to give up half of their items 
or that the person can't do what they want because the society deems it unacceptable or that they live in a poor inclined society and wish to be above their means. What provides the action point for this action is what separates this person from us who might feel similarly in the same situation is the sense of entitlement and the lack of empathy underneath this person's facade. This is a person who believes they deserve to get what they want no matter what. Mm. So it makes you wonder what kind of person would technically hire somebody? Is it a narcissist? Is it somebody that's angry? It, you've got to I look at each case individually. Well, we're talking in particular about snuff films. I think there's a sexual motive to it to, yeah. to yeah. this this high and uh, another level of control yeah it's it must it must be sort of like a, a fantasy thing for them to be able yeah. to afford yeah. to pay for this they've got the control over these people i, it's, I feel like can it's... watch it play out from the comfort of their own home it must yeah. be um yeah i feel like it's definitely an extension of bdsm not i'm so, not that i'm saying like bdsm is is that extreme but like i feel like it is another extension branch off of that yeah. control of yeah definitely dominatrix and submissive and mm. whatever yeah there's definitely a sexual element to it definitely Th- there is an underlying sexual element yes and it is those that from my research that have the tendency to enjoy BDSM to a significant amount as in mm. they can't have plain vanilla sex. Yeah. And they must enjoy the suffering of other people so by by definition they must be psychopaths surely to to Not necessarily engage. because there are people out there that enjoy strong BDSM. No, we're talking oh, yeah. I'm no, talking no, no, about the specific example of somebody paying for a yeah. film to be to be made they must be a psychopath. Yeah, that's sorry. Yeah, I misunderstood you then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, so thank you for doing that research, especially the stuff about, um, you know, why people watch um, uh, we're all that kind of material. That <laughs> yeah. was interesting, that, the, was. the quote from the doctor. So we're, um, yeah, I'm going to get right into my story now. So this is my first, I've just realised this is my first ever true crime. It is. On the Ooh. podcast. Yeah, I know, special moment. How exciting. So today, uh, as a bit of a, a warning, we are going to be talking about a, a fairly brutal crime and I am going to describe certain details of said crime in sort of quite quite graphic detail so I'll, I'll let people know when that's about occurring mm-hmm. um, so if you wanted to to skip ahead so right let's begin at 11 a.m on the 29th of May 2012 a package arrived at the headquarters office building of the Canadian Conservative Party in Ottawa Canada the Conservative Party at the time were the ruling party and were the government of Canada. The receptionist accepted the parcel, treating it with no greater notice than any of the hundreds of other parcels that would come in each week. The only thing of notice was a small red heart shape which had been drawn to the top. The box was sent upstairs to a Miss Jenny Byne, a campaign manager for the party. Maybe it was a foul smell or sudden notice of bloodstains that stopped her in her tracks when she took hold of the parcel going to open it like any other box, but something was not right, obviously. Cautiously, she unsealed the top, and inside, nestled amongst blood-soaked pink tissue paper packaging, was a severed human foot. Wow. Yes. The police were immediately called. Sending in a hazardous materials unit, they took the package out of the building, leaving its workers who had seen or handled the box, I would guess, in a pretty shocked state. It's not something you'd see on your average work day now average uh, i don't know what day this would be let's say it's a monday average monday morning is it so um this is the police exiting the building with the severed human foot uh steph could you just 
describe that that photo for the folks at home? Yeah, so um, it's just two police chappies. They they look very concerned. One's holding a big yellow bag, and one is holding a black briefcase. I imagine the person, the the I think it's a lady actually on the left is part of the hazardous materials team. Ah, yes, yes yeah. The bag that. is yeah. the yellow biohazard bag. Yeah. Yes. Did they have press at this point? Because there's a chap yes, on the camera. Yes, it, it spread really quickly, and uh, the press got there like they always do. I guess they they always quickly. have their fingers okay. in the police departments and whatnot. Yes, they do. So, attached to the, f- the foot, they found a note stating that six other packages had been sent and that the sender would kill again. Oh, wow. That same day in Ottawa, a similar parcel had been intercepted at the mail sorting office on its way to the Liberal Party HQ. The Liberal Party were the, the opposition party in Canada. It bore a small red heart and wrapped in pink tissue paper inside was a severed hand. Oh, my gosh. So um, I, I was going to sh- I forgot to put this on the photo, so I'll just show you the the um, where is it? One sec, bear with me. So this is uh, these are all be up on the socials, but that's the tissue paper that was wrapped in. Oh, so the, just standard yeah. pink tissue paper. The standard yeah, pink tissue paper. Jacket right now. Huh. Yeah. I mean, yes. I'm not going to... I have a lot of that. And once again, on the same day in Montreal, 125 miles away from Ottawa, a janitor discovered a decomposing torso in, inside a suitcase in an alleyway behind the apartment building which he was in charge of. He had noticed the suitcase a few days earlier on the 25th, but due to the large amount of rubbish that was always dumped there, it hadn't been taken yet, but it was the smell that attracted him on that day. He went over to investigate and once finding the remains immediately called the police and the police closed off the scene. So this oh, wow. is the scene where they found the um the the oh, suitcase. Sorry. So you can see there's a lot of rubbish there. Yeah. And if you go to the next one, please, Charlotte. It looks quite busy, though, because there's cars and stuff. So So that's it from another angle. I think okay. they've moved those cars out of the way. Ah, but ah. you can see it's sort of a local dumping ground for, what is it, broken furniture there, yeah, rubbish. Boxes. Uh, if you go to the, that. I think, the next one as well, Charlotte. Oh, no, back one, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 somewhere where maybe a suitcase wouldn't be seen as out of the ordinary yeah, for no. a few days. But God, guys, like, recycle. <laughs> so packages also arrived at St George's School, a boarding school for boys in Vancouver. This time it was a right foot inside the parcel, again with the red heart to the top of the package. Then another, uh, then another arrived at False Creek Elementary School, also in Vancouver, and this one contained a right hand. And both of these um, parcels along with the first one, also contain notes. So if you go to the next one, please, Charlotte. Is it all of the same person, or are they uh, different bits of different people? Well, so we've had two two hands, two feet, and a yeah. torso so far. Yes. Yes. So, so we've had a left hand, a right hand, a le- right foot, a left foot, and a torso. So from the same people, or...? Well, we'd, we'd assume so, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about them in the same context, would we? Okay. <laughs> so this uh, this is one of the notes that was sent... This was the note that was sent to the elementary school. So it reads, Stephen Harper and Lauren Teske. Stephen Harper is the Prime Minister of Canada. Right. We'll know who this is. They fucked up big time, double exclamation mark, and then there's a heart at the bottom. Okay. So if we go to the next one, and this was in the one to the uh, preparation school, the boys' school, it says, Die, bitch, soon! Exclamation mark. The police managed to trace that all the parcels had been sent from the same post office, Cota de Niges, I don't know if I pronounced pronounce that right, in Montreal, and on the security cameras they spotted the man dropping off the parcels. A young, white, thin man, tall, with shoulder-length hair. Checking the security cameras in the alley where the case was discovered, behind the apartment building, 
They spotted the same man dragging the suitcase to the corner, and he seemed to come out of the apartment building itself. So they, they checked the security camera inside the building, and they see the same man, again, constantly going to the communal bin area in the basement of the apartment complex. And he was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth uh, from the early morning on the 25th until very late in the evening. And he was carrying sort of rubbish clothing, that kind of thing, but a lot of clothing. Mm. So the killer, uh, they assumed, was a resident of the very same building that the torso had been discovered in the alleyway behind. Curiously, though, at one point he had left the building in the day and returned with short hair. But the next day, on the 25th, when he was seen on the security cameras again, he was back to having long hair. So what does oh, that... Oh, wait, what? Yes. So it went short and then long again? So he had he had long hair to begin with, and then on the 25th, and then uh, at one point, he, in very late in the evening, he has short hair, and then the next day he has long hair again. That's really weird. So uh, what what do you think that would tell us? Wears a wig? Yes. Or extensions? Yes. Depends on how vain he gets, yes. I guess. So we've got uh, some screens of those those things. So this is in the communal bin area of the apartment plant complex on the 25th. So this is very early in the morning, 2.52 in the morning. Okay. So this is the guy. So you, can, you can't really see what he's dumping in there, but it is no. sort of papers, tissue, that kind of thing. So there he is again uh, later, well, nearly the evening, five, um, five in the late afternoon, evening. Uh, as yeah. you can see the clothes there. That, yeah. He fills that entire bin there with clothes. Right. You, there he is with short hair. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that is confirmed to be the same man. Wow. Well, Okay. See, the trousers, the shoes are the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. So that's that's not much of a time difference. That's only what, four hours, four and a half hours. Right. Looking between the two. That's him on the next day, and it's a bit blurry there, but you can see he's got long hair again. Yeah. It does look more He's got long then. hair in the third one of the... No, he hasn't. He's got short hair. Yeah. Honestly, it's... he has got short hair. If you see the video in motion, he's definitely got short hair. Yeah, it looks like a short back and sides. Yes, it is, definitely. So uh, the police go back a day on the security cameras, and they see the same man enter but he's with another man and the second man was never seen leaving on any of the security footage ever again here he is again entering the building with another man okay i mean's in a, a yellow t-shirt baseball cap shorts oh, yeah khaki shorts yeah so that's on the 24th the day okay. before and that chappy is definitely with that other chappy it's not like he's yes coming at the yes they come in if you watch the video yeah and i will oh, i've got a link to this video so you can watch the surveillance cameras right for yourself. Okay. so they do enter together they're sort of talking to each other that kind of okay. thing and they go up go up together okay is this chappy in this photo um that you've got up on screen is he related or is this just another chappy in the same no no area? he's just in the in, he in was just caught on it okay so um who is the the other guy who was caught on the camera lin jun was a 33 year old chinese student studying 33 yeah he does not look 33 no, he's very baby faced wasn't he wow. So he was studying engineering and computer science at Concordia University in Montreal. He had left his homeland a year before with the prospect of getting a better education in 2011. But more importantly for Jin, who was gay, the West provided a place where he could openly live as he wanted. In China up until 2001, homosexuality was classed as a mental disorder, and even though it was decriminalised by this point, attitudes hadn't changed much. It's still quite a very conservative society when it comes to that kind of of thing. So Jim was uh, friendly, he was described as being friendly, outwardly happy, hard-working student who had close friends who would constantly keep in touch with his family in China, sending them gifts back, sending them some money back, and sharing photos with them, especially with his beloved tabby cat. Sorry. Yeah, oh, it's like my paws. Yeah, a little tabby. Cute. Yeah. So that was, he, he was his pride and joy, that little kitty. Don't blame him, cat's yeah. a life. He's a cutie. 
So he would he was he was quite prolific on social media and he'd post about his love of films like Titanic and and he was into sort of romantic films that mm-hmm. kind of of kind of business and all the exciting things he was up to in his life in Canada but there were a few posts of his social media that maybe led his friends to think that he wasn't so happy. Um he posted uh, an image of himself called self portrait. Oh wow. So he had he, he liked doing like these kind of grotesque like things to himself uh, in images so that's so weird. That's like a sorry, Steph. Could you describe that? Yeah. So it's it looks like a, a a collage really of different things. So he's kind of given himself pink frizzy hair, an orange face, but with veins, and then the mouth's been edited to look like it, it's it, they're just pointy teeth. They're like full on jaws. It just looks really scary. It's actually a really disturbing image. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Very yeah. much so. So we had this kind of on the one side, he had a, a very sort of soft kind of uh, part of himself, but maybe like most people do i guess had this kind of like calling that my self-portrait would would lead to the the idea that maybe he wasn't so sure of himself or he wasn't confident of himself or maybe yeah. thought there was something inside himself that he didn't particularly yeah. like it's a very ugly image yes and if you go back if uh, you think about it because of the social economic stuff that he grew up in like being gay hmm. He would have been like, no, that's not allowed. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. So never. He probably had a deep-seated, I don't know who I am. Mm. There's many like facades to who I am. I want to be outgoing with pink hair and bright and colourful. I'm I'm tired of being called yellow skin because a racist slur is that for people Mm. from Asia. Yeah. And maybe he wasn't happy with how his teeth looked. Yeah. And so he was like making a mockery of his teeth, and that he had prominent veins, or that he was like marble because when i look at that i the the veins across the face remind me of a marble yeah, yeah they're like uh, a cracking yeah they? or that he his his facade is cracked yeah so do you think this is like an intense representation of the things that he found awful in himself then yeah, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. it would lead down that i mean it's it's like not a quick jobby to do maybe no no it's, 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 he's put effort into that yeah so and maybe it's, it's and he's a 33-year-old man as well. We're not talking about uh, an emo teenager. No, We're talking no. about a 33-year-old man. So, so maybe there's a more, a bit more... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I, I personally... He, he must have grown out of some... This kind of thing you'd expect maybe from a... A, a, a young, 15, 16-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Phase, yeah. For a 33-year-old man, maybe it's got more credibility as maybe somebody was having some kind of internal problem. I problems. would say that he was suffering from depression and that's his way of yeah. trying to get it out. Because well, you said he studied computers, is that right? Computers and engineering, yeah. Yeah. And, science and with both of those... you and. Uh, I know you nowadays you use Photoshop, mm-hmm. so maybe that's his collaging in Photoshop kind of thing of yeah. him just mushing it all together to get yeah. it out of his head. But his his friends he posted enough of these kind of things that his his friends started to notice and ask him yeah. if he was mm. doing okay. Oh, so there was more of these kind of things. Then? Yeah, there was. Uh, this is just one of them. So days before he walked into this apartment, he took this photo of an empty subway car that he was riding at night and with a foreshadowing caption he called it midnight cannibalism train right yeah okay i don't know why he called it yeah but it's 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 sort of a lowly picture isn't it I yeah think. yeah it's quite a depressing it's very monotone and but you know what i'd, I'd love that i mean like the tube <laughs> is just a nightmare i yeah, would love that yeah that would be a piece of slice of heaven in london yeah but... yeah not to everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to summarise, his, his family and friends really loved him and thought he was a sweet, 
kind of nice guy and uh, there was there was nothing in his character that led them to be really concerned about him anything of, of that kind of measure so it was never really known how Jin met his murderer and how he walked into that apartment building but the murderer later claimed that Jin had responded to a sex ad he had placed on Craigslist seeking someone who was into bondage fucking Craigslist man you can get anything can you? I don't really use Craigslist well, obviously. Have you never heard of the Craigslist murderers? Um, no. 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 Oh. for another time. Yeah. But I imagine you can get all sorts on there. You can get sex yes. ads on there, can There's you? a lot of sex trafficking yes. on there as well. But that's, that's where the murderer claimed he had advertised to meet Jin from. On a, a specifically, it was a bondage, um, sort of hardcore bondage post, asking for somebody who'd be his submissive. Mm. So that must have been in, in Jin, if that's true, that must have been in Jin's character as, yeah. as well, a part Which of his... Which is fine. Yeah. yeah. Some people play the sub good. Yeah. So at 9pm on the 24th of May, the night he walked into the apartment complex with another man, he sent a friend a casual text and then was never heard from again. I couldn't find out what that text was, but from what I gather from reading the, the reports, it was just something very casual, like, hi, yelly, good day, that kind, of, okay. that kind of business. But he would be seen again, even though he'd never be heard from again. On the 25th of May, the day after, a video was uploaded to the website bestgore.com entitled One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so, just to deviate slightly, the, the Best Score founder, Mark Marquette, would later be charged and found guilty for hosting this video on his site, although he didn't spend any time in prison. It'd become somewhat of a free, free speech battle between him and the Canadian government over whether this kind of, like we were talking about earlier actually, whether this kind of content should be allowed on the internet. So, the 10 minute long video shows the brutal torture, murder, dismemberment, cannibalism and sexual assault of Jen. Christ. So, I'm not going to show the video of Jen, obviously, here and I don't encourage people to watch it. Is it still out there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've I've seen it or rather I, for the purpose of this, I've seen it, I haven't watched the whole thing, it's 10 minutes long and I don't particularly want to watch the the entire narcissistic fantasy of a psychopath and I don't, uh, I skim through it, I skim through it basically, but it's not something I ever want to to watch again and things from it are going to stick with me. It's not a pleasant thing to watch. I have watched it. Have you? Yeah. I I, I listened to a couple of other podcasts and they, in passing, they didn't go into the details about this case, but in passing mentioned it and that they'd be featuring it on a later episode. And me being morbidly curious, was like, what is this case? And it literally, I was on YouTube thinking, oh, it'd be fine. Yeah, and I clicked it's it, not. and then so it's there's on YouTube. like it's not now. It's been taken down. Oh my gosh! And I literally clicked it, and was like, "Oh, oh shit, no, no, done, no." Yeah. So, so it's you, not been completely. So you taken didn't down watch. Anywhere. You didn't watch the whole. Thing. I watched about a minute, two minutes. Of yeah, it. Well, the the longer it goes on, the more brutal it gets. Yeah, fuck. So I, I felt it was it was important for me to watch or at least watch parts of it I'd, again like we were talking about earlier we've all, all got a morbid, morbid curiosity so it was important for me because the acts on this show we talk about are horrendous but they're always in the abstract aren't they they're always stories rather than images or video we, we talk yeah. about them in terms of story and um, it leads in this kind of true crime community sometimes to the, the sort of popular popularization of characters like Ted Bundy um, they seem sort of like roguish aren't they even though mm. they commit these horrendous uh, they're things. idolized but in reality yeah. when you watch something like this and what I took away from this is that these people are cunts and yeah. and watching this 
remind you that they should never be treated murderers, especially this kind of murderer, these kind of Any kind psychopaths. Of well, no. in particular, to- people who torture, brutalise yeah. people should never be treated with anything but contempt. Never, yeah. never seen in a uh, uh, anything but fascination. Yeah. If you're going to take anything positive away from it, it should be to be fascinated and, and to, to learn develop from it. your character. Because there are people out there who find, like me, for example, I was fascinated by Ted Bundy, so mm. I then jumped into the psychological stuff. And doing that is fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's perfectly the, acceptable. There are but, people who who do who do fangirl. It's yeah. mostly women. I it, there is a lot of women that fangirl. So the, it is probably the most vile thing I've ever I've ever watched. This yeah. this video. So I'm not, not going to link it. I'm not going to say where you can find it. But I will say it's scarily easily easy to find on Google. It's like right up there within the first. You few. can fucking Google it. Yeah. Yes. Hence me clicking on the YouTube link. Of so it. I'm not I'm not going to again like I've just said I'm not going to play the video for no. us, our benefit even here. But I have taken a non-violent screenshot just to give you the atmosphere of okay. the video so if you could go to the next one please oh Charlotte. gosh is that it yeah yeah this is this is, is that the, the logo is that his logo no that's that's from the the, oh, from the website oh okay ID. okay yeah or at some point we're not po- posting this one up on no, social we won't no, no, no it's too no. graphic well, it's, it's not graphing itself but the well, context is there and we'd rather yeah. not yeah, have anybody suffer ptsd from this oh my god so uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna this is the point where I'm going to describe what happens to, to poor Jin in this video. And it's not to, to glamorise what's happened. It's just because he this, this, this crime is horrendous and um, what this what this man did to him shouldn't be, shouldn't be forgotten. He's not a man, I'm sorry. He's not a man. Anyway. So this is the point, if, if you want to skip ahead a couple of minutes, um, this is where I'm going to go into detail about what happens <sighs> on the, the video. Yes? So... Want to describe what was in this video because it's something the jury would have either watched the video or heard trans, uh, a transcript yeah. of the video. So it came into the the court case in that sense. They very much had so. to watch it, by yes. the way. Yeah, they, I'm sure they would. Yeah, Jesus. They didn't show it in courtroom. They showed it in the jury room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the the guy who's perpetrating this video needs to rot in prison completely. So this transcript is from the website where I got this video, and the 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 website where I found this video, it wasn't sensationalising it. It tried to, I think, treat yeah. it uh, as res- as respectfully as it can. So the following bits comes not from my words, really. I've edited them slightly, but they're more the the, the description because I didn't want to have to watch the entire thing to get a, a no. lowdown of what happens in every bit. Yeah. So the video opens with the song "True Faith" by 80s band New Order playing in the background. He wasn't in the background at the scene, but dubbed in, so he's he's put it over the top of it. The view we have is from the foot of a bed. A nude man is bound to it by the wrists and ankles. His face seems to be covered. There's a Casablanca movie poster on the wall behind and above him. You can see oh, that yeah. there. Yeah. Never going to cor- look at Casablanca again. No. Or New Order. Or yeah. New Order, and I liked New Order. Oh, God damn. And a Caucasian male stands to the right of the frame. Uh, so this is this bit I'm next to the describe is exactly where I've taken this screenshot from. We see the figure dressed in black approach the bed slowly. He then puts his left knee onto the bed. He reaches down, seemingly to check Lynn's breathing and touches his face. Any questions as to whether this is a kinky tryst or a crime occurring are alleviated when the man comes back into frame at the one minute seven second mark and just one second later plunges an ice pick into Lynn's chest. He stabs the body 45 times in the upper abdomen. He then moves to Lynn's chest and possibly his face and stabs maniacally another 49 times before moving back to his upper abdomen for another seven piercing blows. In In total he will be stabbed well over 120 times. The camera then 
pans down to Lynn's legs, where we see an apparent steak knife come into view and begin to slice, not back and forth, but backward, lifted, and then repeated a few inches from the previous spot. He slices nine times on Lynn's right leg and then moves to his right arm. There he slices one once on the forearm, uh, forearm sorry, twice on the bicep, and then brings the camera in for a close-up before giving the leg another slice. At the 3 minute 48 second mark, there's another cutaway. It shows Lynn na- Lynn's now severed head. The killer begins moving it around, presumably to show that it's indeed severed and disembodied not to mention quite real. He seems to be playing with it, moving it around by the hair. At the 5 minute 5 second mark, the camera then takes up another recording. It's now located near Lynn's waist, and we can see that his right arm has since been completely severed from his body. The killer then picks up the limb by the forearm, and he uses it... This is a bad bit. He uses his hand to fondle his own crotch. Fucking hell! From the outside of his clothing, and then with his pants lowered. So he takes his trousers off and then does it as well. At the 6 minute, 16 minute mark, the killer begins to commit sodomy and necrophilia on Lynn's lifeless body. It is at this point that we realise the video has sound, aside from the song in the background, as you can hear a dog barking, growling and whimpering. The last main part of him is preparing the cannibalism of the body whilst he encourages his small dog to eat eat parts of Jim. Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the description there. So... Hopefully, well, welcome this... back everybody who skipped yes. ahead. So that was that was quite intense and horrible, wasn't it? Yeah, Jesus. And that that is the reality of a, a killer t- killing somebody in this way. Ted Bundy's scenes probably wouldn't have been much different Too from different. that, or mm. uh, Ed Kemper's murders wouldn't have been much different from that. But we, no. because we've never seen though the killings, I don't think they have the same impact as something we yes. can see. You know, because while I've been there's less t- there's less tangibility. Exactly, right there. and this is why I wanted to to describe that whilst we have that image in front of us i know we're not going to show that to people at home yeah but this is it gives it more context substance and context. absolutely yes and it was sort of an eye-opener for me because we do talk about these things and yeah i'm i'm almost desensitized to it and this has given me a reason not to be desensitized to them absolutely again I it think. really just like you said earlier it brings it to the forefront of your mind yes and it can't i don't know if you're going to mention this and i apologize if you do that in the pathology report because yeah i went and read that um the second blow was the one that killed him Jesus. my my face hurts from the amount of emotional yeah you were proper I'm... like full-on like <laughs> yeah. if it was funny it'd be comical like distortion of the face but yeah my face yeah. is aching but yeah the ice pick was the second stab that killed him the yeah. others were just purely oh, thank, thank for god show. thank god in a way that he didn't yeah. have to endure a lot more of yeah. what he did well, so he, it's obvious from this that he must have lured him in um tied him to the bed thought he was engaging in some because it is hard because he's a thin skinny guy we've seen yeah. him on the other surveillance cameras and the, the uh, Lynn is a very, he's not he's, stocky, but he's, he's like a, a, a well-built guy. He's a stocky guy. man, yeah, yeah but well-built. stocky like in a healthy way athletic, instead of, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it'd be very hard, you think, for uh, that skinny guy to overpower him. So it must, my, my interpretation is it must have been, and the prosecution's interpretation was that it must have been consensual. Lynn must have willingly lay down in this bed and allowed yeah. himself mm. to be tied up. I, I and then the killer must have left the room, come back with his implements or whatever. Yeah, and then, as oh, he's look, blinded. I'm yes. going to go get toys, that kind of thing. There's a lot of BDSM 
yes consensual bdsm yeah. has toys and such yeah. like and the blindfolding is is, is, is yes. normal it's, there. it's yeah. there and being if you're the sub it's quite normal to be tied down while the dom disappears for like yeah. five minutes because it heightens the senses yeah but we've we've covered cases before where the the victim was consensually bound before there were, wasn't dennis nielsen some of his victims consensually well they they bound. definitely had intercourse and, and they were there on their own their own accord yes. so yeah something similar in the same vein so when this was posted to best score i mean these people on best core who go to this site like gory things but even for them they started to say this isn't right this something is it was them that reported it. it was them that reported to the police but initially the police viewed this and wrote it off as a fake really yeah, yeah. so it wasn't until a lawyer from america got shown the video and this was posted on the, the 25th by the way so he contacted the police uh, it, sorry the fbi in america and they took it seriously they yeah. said something's not right here but they have no context of who's this all you've got is this to go on i mean what do you go on so they they've logged this as a criminal act but they have no idea where it's been committed right it was a lawyer in america that it got sent to it wasn't in canada itself yeah that's what i just said yeah oh sorry yeah so days earlier though um some odd posts and references had started cropped up on other parts of of the internet especially on forums and they were referencing the title one lunatic one ice pick but this was before the video was ever released on best score and in fact Jin wouldn't be even dead when these posts were being made right. so somebody was on internet forums referencing the title one lunatic one ice pick Right. On the forum psychforums.com, an online discussion board for psychology and mental health, a user by the name of Anonymous Girl 4 posted on the 15th of May, so 10 days before Lynn would die and this, this video was made, in a thread about psychopathy. A story, and it, he was, or this the girl, sorry, uh, or the person with the username Anonymous Girl 4, was saying that they had found a video called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick on the dark web, and that they told a story that they had heard it had been created by a 20 year old man a serial killer who was who was constantly making these kind of things oh, wow. the post read i'm doing research on this and i would very much appreciate any and all the advice and help you could give me is he a psychopath or antisocial or what i know we don't have a lot of details but based on the crime itself thanks in advance so i'm checking the other users on the fight were on a, even on the dark web were unable to locate any video called one lunatic one ice pick yet that's because it didn't exist yet on the website daily motion do you remember daily motion oh motion? gosh that's still going yeah it is so on the uh i think it was 15th again somebody posted a video called one lunatic one ice pick video discussion non-graphic it consisted of only the still image of a young man wearing a purple hoodie brandishing a sharp object in front of a poster for the movie casablanca right the same user posted a second copy of the video but they changed the title to do you know this man help identify to the title but there was no it wasn't this video like i say it was just of still images of a man in a hoodie in front of that casablanca poster right also that day someone using the name brian kinney 556 posted on a neoseeker.com forum using the same video title and asking what others thought of people who make up videos of their crimes to sell on the dark web so this is all happening before the video was ever released and Jin is still alive at this point so oh, right. what do you think that maybe says premeditation well premeditation but what do you think they're doing by posting this creating an atmosphere yeah or creating hype and this is what the prosecution would would argue that these the killer was posting these days before a week over a week before he committed this murder and made this video in order to create hype for his video 
Christ. Like a pre-promotion, yeah. almost. And sort of create a mystery around them. So people would already know the title One Ice Pick, One Little One, Little Two, One Ice Pick. So obviously, from the earlier parts of the story, we knew, we know now what happened to Jin's remains. He was cut up, parts of him were sent to political party offices and mm-hmm. schools, and his torso was dumped outside the office apartment complex. But who was the killer? And why did he dispose of Jin in the way we did? So the police followed the killer through the building on the surveillance uh, system, uh, building surveillance system, and tracked him to apartment 208, where he seemed to be going in and out, and they assumed that was his home. And it was rented by a 29-year-old man named Luca Magnotta. They raided the apartment and found evidence all around that a serious crime had taken place. So we can have a look at some of the crime scene photos from that. So this is the mattress. That's hair they found strewn all over the place. Oh my gosh. Okay, next one. That's a blood-soaked t-shirt mm. from the, the the killer was wearing. Okay. That's a pair of underwear that Lynn was wearing. Wow. Sorry, Jin. And there's the bathtub, and in the bathtub there were spots of blood all over the place, like somebody had washed themselves. Right, okay. And is there another one? And this was a note scribbled on the door, so if you could read that stuff. If you don't like the reflection, don't look in the mirror, I don't care. And if you notice, it's in the same handwriting that was on the notes. Oh, wow. But the occupant had already fled. Luke, uh, Luca Magnotta had already fled. Airports and border crossings were immediately notified that he would consider a flight risk. He had travelled before, um, recently, to Europe and other places. And he was put, so he was put immediately on the Interpol most wanted list. But a few days later, he was sighted entering through Paris airport security. There is Luca entering through Paris airport security. So by this time, he's already fled the country. Yeah, and he's got the long hair again. Yes. So if you remember on the um, the the timeline so far, the last time he was seen was on the morning of the 26th. On the, so he's got a couple of days head start by this time. So the first thing to say that um, Luca Magnotta wasn't his real name and it was one of tens that he would use during his life. He was constantly oh. changing his name. This is Luca Magnotta. Okay. And next week we're going to talk about the life of Luca Magnotta or to use his real name, Eric Clinton Kirk, oh. and what led him to committing this horrific murder. And I find his life and what led him to this point just if not more shocking than really? the actual crime itself yeah this is a very disturbed it's it's probably the closest i've ever seen to evil in a human being before wow for certain reasons but we're going to get into for that you next to say one. that that must yeah, be a know, statement right. in itself so uh, apart from maybe joseph mengler or people like that yeah as not but, war not related to war yeah what, yeah yeah, mean, right? yeah, not related to war. So next week we're going to so we've 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 talked today about the murder and the the way the body was found. But next week we're going to talk about well, let's call him Luca Magnotta. But that's not that's how everybody knows. Yes. Him, yeah. So we're going to talk about his life and what led him to this, or mm. well, not led him to this, but what what kind of person he was before he committed this this kind of crime. Right. Yes. So we're going to leave it there, I think. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um. We're back, and I feel my stories always bum you out, Steph. <laughs> Your, yours really hit home, they really do. <laughs> I've just been pacing, that's how much it hit yeah, me. That's a good thing. <laughs> no, it's good, it's eye-opening, it's, it was okay, fun. Okay, but we need we need something to cleanse the palate. Indeed. Cleanse so now we're souls. going to go into demons Wait. and... Uh, yeah, cleanse our soul, Steph. Cleanse our soul yeah. with demon possession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
my story this week then, guys, is a little bit lighter-hearted. Um, I'm going to go into the true story of the exorcism. Has anybody seen the exorcism? Have we, we've asked this already. Do you already, mean the exorcist? The, yeah, yeah, the exorcist. I've, I've never seen it. I've, I know the music. I know yeah. certain Tubular key bells. scenes. I know she spends most of the film in a bed and yeah. the priest is yelling at her and then she spit, uh, vomits on him. Indeed. Which so, was made with custard. Was the, was the exorcist milk. based on a, a real, quotation marks, Occurrence? Occurrence. Occurrence. Yeah, and that's what we're going to go into. Oh, right. The actual true story of where it was based. Okay. Yes, I've seen it. No, I'm never ever watching it again. (laughs) It disturbed a lot of people because it was like cutting edge scary horror at the time, wasn't it? It it was banned and the film itself isn't scary. No, I mean, I've I've watched bits of it and the scary bits I don't find scary. No. The bit that is meant to just be like, oh, that's creepy, fucking freaks me out. Yeah. You mean the head turning bit? No, no, that bit, not that bit. The crab walking down the fucking oh, stairs. Oh, yeah. That... You don't like the crab walking, uh, do you? Yeah. Isn't she on the ceiling at one point as well? Yeah, the, she's yeah. all over the place. Yeah. But like, it's the just same. Just ADHD. <laughs> yeah, it's the same sort of thing though, because like in Victorian times, they when they first had the cinema, they they were freaked out by the train coming mm, towards they were, them. Yeah. yeah. So like at this sort of time, that kind of horror and gore wasn't seen before in cinema, so that's why it freaked out a lot of people out. And I guess. everybody thought that they would be possessed by demons. Yes. But now, we're, as you say earlier, we're so detens- desensitised to all of this, it's kind of was like, there, eh, next. Was there a mystique around the film that if you watched it, you would somehow become possessed? Yeah, like yeah, a ring well, that's why it was banned. Like a ring thing, almost. Yeah. Ring thing. A ring thing? A ring thing. That's cute. Should have like, put a ring on it. Not relevant not, in any way, not, just not ring. Not ring, no. No, down secure. Pure smaller. I've seen the Japanese one, I've never seen the American remake. Oh, really? No, The Ringo know. is the <clears throat> Japanese. That's creepy. Yeah, I've never seen the American one. Don't like mm. it. It's okay. I'm not really a horror fan. Doesn't really do much for me. Anyway, bang on. <laughs> so the Exorcist, um, yeah, is a true story. So um, I'm going to go in through the ins and outs of the origin of the origins of where um, the uh, the chappy. What was his name? I don't have it written down here somewhere. The priest. No, not the chap. William Blatty, who wrote the um, the actual story, the book for the film, mm. The Exorcist, um, got his got his notes from essentially. So throughout time, there's always been stories of, of demons that have homed in and, and taking over human life, possessions, hauntings and temporary moments of uh, message passing throughout uh, from demon, I guess, through to the human life. What ones have we covered so far on the show? We, uh, the the Brilliant, no, not Brilliant, but, uh, the, yeah. what's it called? Sorry. The right. Yep. Yeah. And the, the one in, was it Yorkshire? No. The, the, uh, in the, the council oh, house. Oh, poltergeist. Yeah. The infield poltergeist that yes. was down in London. Yes. But that wasn't a demon, that was a poltergeist. Oh, was poltergeist. It? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. So okay. there's a difference between them, but okay. they are similar, similarly linked. Indeed. Okay. So, um, yeah, so there's been stories throughout time with that whole entire thing. However, um, in a case of demon possession um, that, that made an impacting uh, story... Um, the story of Ronald Hunkler, um, also known as Ronald Doe, because his information wasn't, wasn't released at first. Um, he was given a an alias. Um, this um, this basically made a lasting impression on not only the people that are surrounding, but also um, the priests and whatnot that were involved. So the story of Ronald would go down in history. He's he His story, as I said, alone is inspired for the film The Exorcist, based on a book by William Peter Bl- Blatty in 1971, which was based on the diaries that were kept by the peace, priests um, who were dealing with the cases at the time. So who is who is Roland uh, Roland uh, Roland Doe, shall we say? Uh, Roland was born into a Ger- German Lutheran 
family, mm-hmm. Lutherian. Oh, like yeah. uh, ultra-Orthodox Protestant religion. That's the one. Yeah, there we go. In the 1940s. Have hats, brim, big brimmed hats. Oh, is that quite tall, quite tall. You know, like you think when you think of a Guy Fawkes. Yes. Hat, like that kind a of Puritan hat. hat. Yes. Oh, there you go. There you there go. go. Some visuals for you. Um, so, yeah, he was born into a Lutherian family in the 1940s. The family lived in Cottage City in Maryland in 1935. He was an only child and depended on adults for the, um, of the house for a company. Maryland, USA. Indeed. Yes, yes indeed. Um, he was um, he was a average boy that got average grades and his interests um, included comics and the radio. The, the good, radio. Yes, good old wireless. Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interest you know that doesn't exist say? anymore. What's that? Video what? killed the radio star. Uh, Cute. Yes. Indeed. The wireless. Uh, the wireless, yeah. That's a good nan quote right there. Mm. He found it difficult to make friends, um, so he became quite close to, to especially his aunt, who actually, funnily enough, became, uh, she was quite a spiritualist and um, actually introduced him into the realms of a Ouija board. Which, weirdly enough, you did yesterday with your nephew. Yeah, I literally introduced my nephew to a Ouija board <laughs> yesterday. Once I was researching this, I became a little bit paranoid. <laughs> I was like, no, you are not going anywhere near this. <laughs> I took precautions. We all took precautions. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he became very interested in this Ouija board, essentially. In 1948, when Roland was 13, his aunt unfortunately died from a long-term illness. Now, guess what he did to try and counteract his... Raise her from the dead. I mean... <laughs> Make contact with her spirit. Make contact with her spirit, indeed. No. Yeah. Um, now, whilst his aunt pr- would have discouraged this um, from using the Ouija board to um, to contact anybody, especially with him being in such a vulnerable state, because I know that when we did research yesterday for our Ouija board session, one of the do's and don'ts of using a Ouija board was do not use it when you're in a vulnerable, depressive state, state because that's what... That's like opening a whole new set of shit. Yeah, absolutely. It gives the demon something to latch onto, essentially. I was slightly high. Does that does that make me more susceptible? Yeah, well, you've already got your inner demons. They ain't got no room for anybody mm. else. <laughs> they're okay. there, they're there. Um, however, his, his parents actually encouraged him to use it um, to try and get in contact with his aunt. So he used it more often to try and make contact. But instead of contact with his beloved aunt... He actually made contact with something more sinister. Okay, so what have we learnt, guys? (laughs) Number one, do you want demons? Because the Ouija board's how you get demons. They do. B, if you're a parent and your kid turns around and goes, I'm going to use the Ouija board. I'm going to use the Ouija board. Be like, "Uh, no. (laughs) No. No, we're going to take you away from here. Bye. Burn it in. No, don't burn it. Don't burn it. Because that's not how to do it. How do you dispose of it? You, you break it into seven and bury it. Oh, my God. In seven different spaces. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you put it in landfill, that's not good. Just well, yeah, put it you're in technically your recycling. Like, you're just getting it away. But destroying it completely uh, is not... Does it not... say these things on the back of the Ouija board packaging? It doesn't come with a manual, no. <laughs> well, it should do, surely, if, uh, if these are the rules and regs. Well, this is what I got off YouTube. So <laughs> And a lot of Font other internet of, research. Of yes. Oh, yeah. And the research. <laughs> <laughs> We're not just going off YouTube here, guys, honest. <laughs> we did some actual research. The other research was probably Wikipedia. Uh, no, I It was, wasn't it? <laughs> the no. look on your face then. No, I actually <laughs> did not research. Wikipedia just tells me when Ouija boards were first created, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Twizzle of my monocle. <laughs> 
So, um, after that, there became strange noises that started happening Stranger around the house. Doings. Scratches in the walls with no explanation as to why um, started started happening. They became louder and more violent, especially when Roland was around. Roland's father actually said that the scratches were coming from mice or rats under the floorboards. So he tore up the floor to try and find evidence of the mice or rats. Um, and he actually tore quite a lot of it up, but unfortunately found no evidence it's of... Like, it's like the Telltale Heart from the Edgar Allan Poe story, where he hears the, yeah. the beating of the heart under the floorboard, so tears up every single yep. thing in his, his little yeah, apartment. pretty much, absolutely. Um However, unfortunately, um, the scratches actually became louder and more intense um, the more they kind of went into it, really. Is this the account from the person or in the account in the book? No, this is not from the book. This, this is, from, is the, not from the book. Yeah, this is like actual documented. From the diary from the priests. Okay, in fair. Oh, DVD. right, yes. And also the accounts of the family as well, even yeah. though they didn't really talk about it, but there is the, the accounts of the people that were involved. So this was all before the priests were involved and the book. Before the priest team got there. Indeed. So things started to get super creepy when um, objects started moving around the room, pictures started flying off of walls and were thrown at guests and family members. Roland's bed itself started to um, violently shake whilst um, he was on the bed, only it didn't uh, just stay in the home. When Roland actually went to school, um, in front of all of his classmates, everybody was around to witness this, uh, the chaos followed and ensued. Um, he was sitting at his desk and then all of a sudden it started to shake. Then suddenly um, the contents of his desk flew up and flew around the room, hitting everybody in the process. Yeah. Oh, a a carnival it. of spookiness. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. His parents became increasingly worried, <laughs> as they <laughs> <You> would. think. <laughs> um, Be more worried if they weren't worried. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but they actually sent him to um, a, a, a doctors and psychologists to mm -hmm. try and figure out what was going on. Reasonable. Indeed. Um, who could offer no answer. Uh, finally, they took him to see their local minister, Rev. Luther Schultzer. Not so reasonable. <laughs> the Reverend arranged for Roland to stay at his house for the night for observation. Um, no. 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 Yep. No. Yep. I mean, no. that was... I'm not going to lie. That's where my yeah. thoughts were going on this. Don't leave your child with a priest. Not all priests are uh, pedophiles, but... No. Not all pedophiles are... Right. But once you've just finished watching the, but you the don't keepers. Wanna, you, yeah, you don't want to play the odds. <laughs> yeah. No. You don't want to play yeah. the odds. And, and if we to go along the road of Nick's path here. What? With, what? with uh, um, non-believing. Oh, so oh, I thought you were going to bring in some kind of light <laughs> story of mine where I was... This could be another case of why things cloth. escalated because of PTSD. Mm. Instead of it being an actual demon, it could be a case of okay. Well, let's maybe yeah. I get I, that's sensible. Yeah, that's sensible. But maybe let well let's let's leave that kind of analysis till we. Don't leave your children with people you don't know. No. Well, it, uh, at that time, priests were just gentle, gentlemen yeah. with a cloth, and they, if they got a bit touchy, it was just because they were enthusiastic, fondling the devil out of them. <laughs> no. No, Nicholas. <laughs> Bad Nicholas. Where's my water bottle when I need it? <laughs> squirt, squirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, he stayed over at his house for the night for observation. They slept in twin beds each. Thank so, Okay, thank God. There was, okay. no, there was no double bed involved. Okay. Um, they didn't push them together. I mean, not that I found. <laughs> Okay. Um, you could also sleep in separate rooms, you know. Yeah, that would that be an option. That would have been that an, option. Would be an option. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But how are you supposed to observe somebody in another room? That is room? true. 
Mm. Leave the door open. Well, like, sometimes when Charlotte's asleep, I like to just sit in the corner and watch her. I'm officially scared, guys. I like how there was a little pause there of like. I oh. like <laughs> my favourite bits are when you sort of sort of stop breathing for a second and like <laughs> I'm like ooh, and then you're like. <sighs> <sighs> They're the best bits. Uh, I'm scared. <laughs> and to think I'm staying over this weekend. There you are. God yeah. help me. Enjoy. Oh, Enjoy. No, God I don't do me. that. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I actually think you do, and you're just I covering your back I now. Don't. No, I don't do that, guys. Guys, I don't, I do, don't do that. Do Continue. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Steph, sorry. As my boyfriend sits there contemplating my death. <laughs> sorry, Steph. <laughs> so... The Reverend witnessed, um, again, the shaking of the bed, the scratches in the walls. He also um, witnessed a armature and also a, a pile of blankets tipping over on their own accord. Um, but Reverend um, Schultz saw evil at work and decided to perform an exorcism um, at, at Roland's home itself uh, with the help of five other priests. After the exorcisms, however, um, events worsened. Roland actually started to get bruises and bite marks on his skin um, and scripture, funnily enough. Oh, right. As in biblical scripture? Well, kind Well, well. Oh, we're talking uh, actual naughty demon scripture here. Well, right? actual sort of words. So the words were, help me hmm. and evil. Help me evil. Yeah. Oh, I mean, not two separate things. It wasn't one sentence. Oh. Help so me. help me and evil. Or was live. there any punctuation between the two? I don't think it was grammatically correct, no. <laughs> okay. What, in the same help area? live. On the same area of his so, body? So, like, um, appendages, so arms and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, and these were, what, scratched in? Uh, yes, scratched in, and yes. they ap- appeared to sort of appear on their own. So there was okay. nothing ma- ma- making those marks. And visually. they happened before their eyes, kind of thing? Yes, yeah. And oh, that, that actually, that scene actually is, is played in The Exorcist itself. So yeah. that was a, a, a nugget taken from the, the priestly mm. okay. diaries. Yes. Indeed. And because of this, obviously, the, the boy's mental health, uh, you know, rapidly declined. Um, they were unable to complete the exorcism and decided to stop. Roland continued to gain scratches. Uh, one actually came out, uh, one, one of the scratches, the words that came out actually read Louis. So the, Rui, the, the Rolands actually, um, his parents took this as an indication that they should go to St. Louis, where their family lived. That's a tenuous link. Yes, it definitely was. But that's where they went. Mm. His family moved to Roanoke. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, from American wow. Horror Story. Uh, not even that. The tale of Roanoke. Roanoke. I don't know. It's about Native Americans, isn't it? And it, about the people that vanished. That... I don't. I don't know. No. Any, I've, I know it's a spook story, but I don't. I don't yeah. know much about it. It's a whole it. paranormal story on its own. Indeed, you do. We do American Month, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Mm. But I've actually got a house that they moved into. It's absolutely gorgeous. Lily, would you uh, mind putting that up onto the screen? Say screen again. Screen. That was lovely. I oh, wish I could roll my eyes. I can't. I do it far too often. Do, there we go. Do, do, do. Oh, it is oh, it's a pretty, nice. Pretty it looks house. like the house from Home Alone. It does, doesn't it? It's yeah. very pretty. A bit smaller, but it, it looks like a yeah. nice American suburban home. Indeed, you do. I mean, the door itself just, oh, yes. Yes. That door is bigger than the it's, windows. It's very commanding, it is. isn't it? That it door. It is. It's very cute. Very cute. But that's where they moved to. So once they did move here, the exorcism actually continued. Roland continued to react badly uh, with the scratches and the tremors and. Um, he actually really started to speak in a like a discorded voice in Latin as well. Oh right! So he went full full Latin. Full Latin. It wasn't gibberish. Definitely Latin. Yeah, they said it was Latin. Okay. 
Uh, Roland was nor- uh, was normal during the day, but the event sort of escalated um, as the night drew in. Mm-hmm. Roland reacted violently to any religious symbols as well, so including a picture of Jesus. Um, over a two-month period, uh, Roland endured at least 30 exorcisms. How old was the child at this point? Um, he was 13 when his... his, his... 13, so a yeah. teenager, going through Yeah, puberty, he was definitely a teenager. Which I'll reference later as maybe an important point these of that age but that must be quite yeah. traumatic for yeah you know, to go through 30 30 30 exorcism. at least yeah i mean that's that's a lot yeah and with six priests as well coming around you with all the religious symbols and all that beautiful business yeah it was a bit intense but his parents finally gave up on him and t- um, took him to the alexan brothers hospital where nightly exorcisms continued so much much more this is this is abuse surely what the amount of exorcisms mm, yeah mm, i mean if, if it's deteriorating his health Yes. One would want to stop, I think. And they're, they're quite violent things. The ones we've seen so far, they're all like very... Intense. Grrr. Yeah, definitely. Oh, they're very grrr. grrr. I liked the like action. crosses coming at you. Absolutely. Psychologists who were present uh, wrote about the experience. Oh, they were there as well? Yeah, there were psychologists. And they stood by? Yep, absolutely. Jesus. Let it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And also they, they created future guides for the exorcism. So um, I actually have, um, I, I don't have the whole entire scripture that they have, but I also I have like a bit of an ep- excerpt from uh, one of the, um, uh, from the, the Reverend's yeah. account of it. So Nick, do you want to give us the second paragraph especially? Um, well, shall I read the top, can you go to the top bit, Charlotte, first, just so yep. I sort of can see the credentials on the, uh, go for it. the letter. So it's from the St. Stephen's Evangelical Lutheran Church, uh, Washington, D.C. Dr. J.B. Ryan, Department of Psychology, Duke University, Durham. So this is from the church to the psychologist, correct? So dear Dr. Ryan is the first line. The family lives in Prince George's County, Maryland. So I had their physician place the boy in the hands of the County Mental Hygiene Clinic under Dr. Mabel Ross of the University of Maryland. She had she and her staff had two interviews with the boy. He was to have gone for a third, but meantime words appeared on the boy's body, according to the family and friends. My physician and I saw no words, but we did see nerve reaction rashes, which had the appearance of scratches. So they didn't actually see the words. These guys, but the the family and the priest that was uh, was there at the uh, first right. account. Oh, okay. definitely also, did. this is one of the six other priests. Yeah. Okay. The uh, da, 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 the words indicated to the family that they should take the boy to St. Louis. They were originally from there. They said that the words wrote on him that they should go for three and a half weeks. Now he has visions of the devil and goes into a trance and speaks in a strange language, they tell me. So what is it Latin or is it... Because st- people talk in tongues. Yes, this is was it. it the tongues priests, or Latin? The priests say it was Latin and they were quite definitive about that. Because speaking in tongues is, is, is just... Babble. It is babble. People see things into it, but it's like literally, ah, oh, but that was not, it's like that yeah. kind of. That was beautiful. Fast, that's my tongue, so I just had a, had a moment. That was good, spiritual gorgeous. Spiritual moment. Am I carrying on? Uh, yeah, can do. I am uh, insisting that the family return here to their home and put the boy into a hospital under the care of a physician who is sympathetic to the case. That's reasonable. Mm. My physician is sympathetic. Theirs went to the mental hygiene clinic only after the insistence and persisted in trying to treat the boy with barbitrol. Yeah. Jesus. Okay, they need a new doctor. <laughs> Would you also... What year is this, sorry? Uh, this what? 50s, 60s? 40s. Oh, 40s. Would you or someone mm. from your staff be interested in studying this case here after the family returns? 
If not, can you recommend some competent person who will do it? Would you want someone from Harvard University too, or would you prefer to investigate alone? What, he's in contact with people from Harvard? Apparently so. Yep. The family mentioned other such phenomena as chairs moving, tables overturning, objects flying through the air and scratchings and drummings. And there's a uh, semi... Oh, their floors are scarred from the sliding of heavy furniture. There we go. Yours truly... Um, Lutherian, uh, whatever the priest's name was. At the top. Indeed. So that sounds like a reasonable letter. He's trying to get the boy some kind of medical help. Absolutely, yeah. So that was a first-hand account of as as to um, one of the um, one of the first-hand accounts of um, well, that whole entire I'd, scenario. I'd call that a second-hand account because he's he's there. He's detailing the accounts of other people. I wouldn't call that first-hand. Yeah, yeah. So they're by proxy that the account of that. I mean, yeah, they they they, they had um they had an input, they had a their view on it, and uh, that's that was their conclusion conclusion as to what a what they were being told, and also mm. the the account of um. And it also sounds like he wasn't happy with how the first priest dealt with the situation. Well, I mean, from an outsider point of view, I mean, the, the, there were definitely issues. I guess of of the yeah. brutality of how they went about this, but then yeah. again, it was very much a religious point of stand, like uh, to go into this. I guess. Yes. Whereas they were coming from a psychologist he's sort not. of. Well, he's not. He's a priest, isn't he? He's a priest. Oh he's... no! Yeah. This guy, he's like, oh no, something's not right. Yeah. Uh, I I want somebody else's advice on this. Who's yeah. actually he's, trained in mental health? He's whistleblowing a bit. He's saying, yeah, yeah. this isn't quite right. That's what I took from it anyway. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, that was uh, one of the first-hand accounts... Well, one of the accounts that we ca- that we got from um, that was written down about this case. But Roland, unfortunately, did not recover. Um, the harder they actually went in on this, um, the more violent he became. To the point where he was hospitalised... Uh, no, he hospitalised a priest by breaking his nose and also using one of the spring bed... Uh, the bed springs to cut his arm as well. Which is in The Exorcist. Oh, is that in there? That was it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Mm. She headbutts the priest, breaking his nose, and then pulls a spring out the bed and stabs him in the neck with it. There we go. It kills him. I don't know, he didn't. He was hospitalised in the actual thing, but I didn't realise he was actually killed yeah. in the film. Well, there you go. It, well, it's the other priest that's with him. Okay. Right, okay. Well, there you go. <clears throat> uh, one morning, uh, however, Roland rose from his bed to sit up, um, to, um, and he also started shouting at the priest. He said that Satan will always be with him and proceeded to go into seizures. At 10.45pm, Roland came out of the, uh, the trance and said, He's gone. God has vanquished Satan on the battlefield. Father William Bowden kept a diary of the process for future reference. So this is, again, one of the priests, and his whole entire thing is online, and I can link that to you. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, there is a, that's all on there. Um, it's quite extensive, really, so uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's all there. Um, once Roland came out of his trance, the whole thing just stopped. It just stopped. Mm. No more. End of. Um, he moved back in with his parents and they moved back to the East Coast where they were originally from. Uh, Roland graduated high school, he got married, he had children and he had a normal life. Life carried on. Although it was said that um, Roland has no memory of this event. So when asked, he has absolutely no clue as to what happened or this period of his time. Um, his room at the Alexian Brothers Hospital, uh, where his intense exorcisms took place, was actually boarded up and never used until it was demolished in 1978. And in 1971, William Blat- uh, Blatty again wrote the book The Exorcism that was based on the true accounts by the priest that became a huge selling, world-famous 
film. Is there an Exorcist 2? No. I don't think so, no. It's like the exorcism of Emily Rose and stuff. I don't know if they'd ever made some The exorcism of Karen Walker. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. um, I didn't didn't know it had a a story like that behind it. I assumed maybe I did, but I didn't know for sure. Yep. Um, Actually happened. So is, is... how do you um, how do you feel about how do you feel about that one? I mean, I, I don't disbelieve it. I mean, I think it was a it, it was handled so severely. I mean, thirty exorcisms plus once every night when he went into a mental yeah, that's that's troubling. hospital. Yeah, that's, so yeah, probably would have exacerbated it a little bit. I I think to me it sounds more like uh, sort of some kind of mental episode or yep. series of mental episodes rather than. I mean, I, I don't think people can get possessed by demons and spirits, so I'm I'm not really on that that train track anyway but it, it just smacks to me of of somebody who was who was having some kind of severe mental problem and mm-hmm. was treated quite appallingly yeah and probably made it worse Charlotte? Charlotte? demons man just demons demons <laughs> just just demons it was so weird how it just came to an abrupt end though yeah that mm. bit is like oh. if, if there's there's i mean the, the furniture being moved around and stuff yeah. that it seems to be and the school the, as well i like... mean there's is there any evidence of that is it like physical evidence, photographs? Um, no, not physical no, no, evidence of like proof, that. but as you... like as furniture you... can be moved. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not a thing. It can be moved at any time. Um, but it, did, it it drove the family mad. I mean, like, the scratches must have happened because they, they tore the whole place up. Yeah. But it, it does remind me of the M4 Poltergeist. That, that girl, to me, seemed like she was having some kind of mental episode or mm-hmm. was very highly attention-seeking and was doing things yeah. for that reason. But, yeah. The guttural voice kind of mm. is similar. Sim- similar I think that's, similar. that's quite yeah. easy to replicate. I don't think that's that's the big thing that people put on it, to be honest. Mm. Go on, try. Steph, do your deepest No, thoughts. we're not doing this again. What? Or did we do it before? We did it with the Enfield Portal guys. Oh, did we? Let's do it yeah. once more. Steph, I want to hear your deepest okay. demon voice. Um, 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 um. Just say, I'm, I'm going to possess you. Okay. I'm going to possess you. See, that's quite good. <laughs> the sound of it like sore. Yeah. That was Jigsaw. good. I'm impressed. You're welcome. Tickle me impressed. <laughs> Go on, let's have yours then. What, my, deep, yeah. my deepest voice? I'm going to possess you. That was beautiful. It sounded like Batman, actually. It was cute. Did I? Yeah. I am Batman. I am Batman. There I don't think Batman talks like that. No. <laughs> I can only do that because it's my best impression I can get from Inspector Gadget. Oh, get you, Gadget. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> That's that? Yeah. Why don't these demon possessions ever have like really sh- shrill, like twee voices? That'd be something. I don't think that would be quite so as uh, um, endearing, I guess. Yes. Like. Mm. I'm mm. possessed by the devil. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. What was it? Like she from... Um, Oh, Powerpuff Guys, is it? Like the, the little... Yeah. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah? Oh. No. No. So, are you a thumbs up on that, Charlotte? Um, I give it... Um, uh, I'm not quite sure. It inspired a franchise. It did. It did. But I'm at that... I'm not yeah, quite I sure. Mean, it's it's worth... Uh, what do I normally measure the things? How long I would Google it for? Mm, f- four, four minutes. Four minutes Google. Four minutes Google. Four minutes Googling, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, but no, that was a good, that was a good yeah. story. And it's yeah. not always nice to know where the context of, of films comes from. Yeah, and stuff. indeed. Yes. So, I think that's the end of today's episode. It's that, been a lovely episode. it's also episode. the end of Spookoween. Aww. Because mm. we are actually recording on Halloween, guys, yeah. if we hadn't mentioned mm. earlier. I know kids have been here, yeah. Good. God damn. I don't no, think, no, think they would be able mm. to find it, to be honest, but You live <laughs> they in the woods, to, they used like to Hansel up, and Gretel. Yeah, so oh, live cute. in the woods. It's a bit, it's a bit scary for yeah. the youngsters, which yeah. is good. 
Yeah. Means I don't but have to yeah. get up mm-hmm. and give them some. So it's all Mariah Carey tomorrow. <laughs> Next week we're just having a true crime episode. Yes. So we've we're got going to do part two of my Luke Magnotta story. We're going yeah. to go and talk about Luke in Luca, sorry, in, in as a character. Yep. And mm-hmm. Steph's got her parent. No, sorry. Nope. Steph's got her true crime. True crime. And who's this going to be on? A person. I decided it, this earlier. Did I decide it earlier? It you did decide. You did tell me earlier, but now I, I can't remember. No, mind blank. I've decided. It's it's there. It, you'll see. You'll see. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's us done, guys. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, f- last words. Uh, Charlotte. Stay spooky. Don't conform. Steph. Please don't make a snuff film. Mm. And I'm going to say I don't think the Star Wars prequels are actually that bad. I'm going to put that out <laughs> Owen, any last words from you? Okay. Good. That, that awesome. Good. Mm, good. Yeah. Great. Right. So, <laughs> see you later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. No, no, no. Is that it? I wanted to listen to more horror and gore. No. Let them carry on with their day. If they want to find us, they can find us on Facebook at Crime Creeps and Coffee Podcast, Twitter at CCNC Podcast, Instagram at crime underscore creeps underscore and underscore copy underscore podcast. If they want to listen to more, they can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Castbox, and all podcast apps. But for now, before he interrupts again, I think we should say goodbye. Bye!